Chapter One of Billyhild by Julie Sutter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One, A Dying Mother. I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. Psalm thirty-nine, twelve. In a small, low-thatched cabin, roughly built of wood, lay a woman past middle life, with sunken eyes and the flush of fever on her cheeks. Her couch was a broad wooden bench her covering a couple of bearskins. Her clothing consisted of an ample garment of undyed sheep's wool. Beside the bed, if such it could be called, an earthenware jug, filled with spring water, was placed on a log within the reach of her feeble hands. A younger woman, similarly dressed, sat at a little distance. The cabin stood within a hundred yards of the German River Main, but the two women spoke not the German tongue. "'I have longed for this day,' said the sick woman, with the longing of the swallow for the southern land when the leaves are gathering their autumn tints. On some sea-girt rock the weary bird might be resting, lonely and sad. The waving palm-trees would beckon her onward to that other shore, but the wing is powerless to reach it. See, the day has come, the blessed Easter day. Protected by the God-fearing Herzog, the Christian flock will unite at the oratory beneath the Würzburg to witness with praise and thanksgiving the baptism of my beloved daughter, my only child. Note on Herzog a lord and leader, literally with the ancient Germans, one who went before them in battle, duke being the modern equivalent. Note on Würzburg. The castle of the Wirt, that is, master of the house and lord of the land. From it is derived Würzburg, changed to Würzburg, the town of our days, on the main. In the course of this story, Würzburg will denote the Herzog's residence on the hill, Würzburg being the distinctive appellation for the missionary settlement at its foot. Reader's note. The author here uses a difference in spelling which has no effect on the German pronunciation. To preserve the distinction, the missionary settlement will from here out be pronounced as Würzburg. End of notes. The river flowing past our Cenobi has touched there. Each wave seems burdened with a message to me. The festal time is at hand, I hear them saying. The bells proclaim it from the tower. Come, come, they say, and tarry not. But Belial's mother is lying low in sickness. I feel the shadows of death closing about me. Let not thy heart be troubled, Sister Meshil, replied her companion, but yield it to the will of God. His thoughts are thoughts of peace and not of evil. In the body thou art absent from thy daughter's baptism, but thy prayers for her may rise to God, bringing thee very near to her, even in him. Thou art right, said the sick woman, and death with him is powerless. Christ is the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in him, though he were dead, yet shall live. Iberius, my husband, also lives, though with mortal eyes I saw his face grow white in death. He too, in the spirit, will be with his child. Her father's blessing will descend on her. She ceased speaking, folding her hands in silence. Then she continued, My child will be baptized this day, but I enter the gates of death. The sun has risen brightly. Before it setteth, I shall be gone. See, the morn is breaking, which knoweth no going down. The weary feet are coming home. Ah, weary indeed! How long it is since they began their earthly course in the green isle! How far away! At Armagh, in distant Erin, Achandeka was born. Yes, Meshilt would have liked to see the place again where she was called Achandeka, her childhood's home. These all died in faith responded the younger woman in the words of the Apostle, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, 
and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Hark! said Michel, I hear the bell calling to prayer. Leave me, dearest Gertrude. Go join our brothers and sisters in the oratory. Leave thee, no, replied the latter. Comforting the sick is no less a service to him than joining with the congregation, and where two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst of them. Thou and I may worship him here. What wouldst thou have me read? Thou art kind, Gertrude. The Lord will be thy reward. I would hear the Saviour's parting words to his disciples, as given in the Gospel of St. John. Gertrude, rising from her seat, took a parchment roll from a shelf beneath the thatch. It contained the four Gospels in the Irish language, carefully written and partly illuminated. She was just about to begin her reading when the door opened, and a venerable figure entered, saying, Peace be with you. The old man's hair was silvery white, but it was allowed to grow at the back only, the front to the crown of his head being closely shaven. His dress consisted of a simple tunic of undyed wool, and leathern shoes with leggings reaching to the knees. In his right hand he held a chalice, his left bearing the bread. A pouch was suspended from his belt. "'Is it thou, Totman?' exclaimed the sick woman, her face flushing eagerly. "'Comest thou to me, thou friend of my departed husband, rather than join in the service?' "'Yes, Sister Achendeke,' answered the aged man with a smile. "'Abbot Coleman has sent me. The stricken widow of a faithful messenger of Christ shall not be left to hunger while the congregation has meat and drink in the house of God. I have come to read the scriptures with thee, and we three will remember the Lord's death as he would have us. It is the worthy abbot who thus thought of thy spiritual need, and his wife has not left thy body to want. A bottle of milk I have for thee, and a barley cake which she gave me, that thou mayest eat and drink when we have worshipped the Lord. And he took from the pouch by his side a silver flask containing wine, then a stone bottle filled with milk, and the cake in question. The earthly food was placed on the floor, while the wooden log beside the bed served as a table during the communion about to be celebrated. The aged priest, or presbyter, knelt by the sick woman, and having chanted, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, he repeated the Lord's Prayer, to which he added a few words of loving intercession for the maiden who at that selfsame hour was to be received into the church and having recommended the dying mother to the Lord of mercy, he took up the gospel and read the very words she had longed for, those words of tender comfort which Christ gave to his disciples. He added no sermon to the lesson, but addressed the weary pilgrim with kindly words of sympathy. Their experience had been a common one for many a year. "'Let me look back with thee to the time,' he began, "'when following Killian, the blessed man of God who has since gone to glory, our little band left the green shores of Ireland to bring the gospel to the poor heathen on this great continent. "'In the world ye shall have tribulation,' said the venerable abbot Bishop Columba as we set sail on our mission. But he could add the Lord's words, "'Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. How truly have we found it so! Our very voyage was troubled and stormy, deep calling unto deep. Our women and little ones, nay ourselves, looked despondingly to the watery gulf. Killian alone kept his faith believing even as St. Paul believed on the terrible sea. And we were brought safe to land, casting anchor on the shores of Friesland. We sailed up the Rhine as far as the Roman colony Moguntia, note, Mainz, where the great German river receives the darker waters of the Main. There we found a Christian settlement, ruled over by Bishop Boeca, 
or Siegfried, as they call him here, thine own brother. Of him we inquired whither we should direct our steps, anxious as we were to work for the Lord. He advised us to turn our ship's head up the main to the land of the Thuringians, a fine people, lost in the night of paganism. They were ruled over by their Herzog, Goldsberg, who, although a heathen, was a brave and noble hero. It is just eighteen years ago, it was in the year of our Lord, 685, that we arrived at the foot of the Würzburg. The Herzog received us hospitably, and inquired about our plans. We acknowledged ourselves messengers of the Lord God, the Maker of heaven and earth. We told him we were sent to tell him of a new kingdom of peace and righteousness, established by one in whose name the Gentiles also shall trust. And behold, he was anxious to be taught. He gave us leave to settle at the foot of his Würzburg, between the hillside and the river. There we erected an oratory, our place of worship, built of stone, and around it thirteen wooden cabins, one for the abbot and his wife, and one for each of the brethren with their families, also a common refectory and barns. The settlement was enclosed with a ring fence. The river yielded plenty of fish for food, and we planted a few vines on the hillside, having brought them from Moguncia, that we might celebrate the Holy Communion. And thus we began to preach Christ crucified, finding open ears and willing hearts among the well-minded Thuringians. The Herzog himself heard us often, and gladly, but he would not decide for baptism because his wife, the Herzogin Gaila, strove hard for the heathen practices. For the priests of their false gods, Woden and Friga, Thor and Eor, perceiving the people were inclined to Christianity, had threatened the Herzogin with dire consequences, and she worked upon the Herzog, her husband. It so happened that a horde of Chawari, a wild Asiatic people which had followed the course of the Danube, just about this time broke into the lands and burnt the villages of the unwary Thuringians. Gaila said it was Woden's revenge, because his worship had been neglected, and that the enemy could not be driven back unless Herzog Gottsbert would appease the injured gods by sacrificing the blaspheming foreigners on the forsaken altars. Gottsbert listened to her evil counsel. Father Killian and our brethren Galen and Arnival were seized and killed by the bloodthirsty priests. We others fled like frightened sheep, and for a time lived in the forest, building huts here at Husheim, and not venturing back to the Würzburg. But the Herzog gathered the strength of his land about him, and the Chawari, finding themselves outnumbered, withdrew beyond the frontier. Then he imagined it was the gods who had helped him because of his yielding up the Christian messengers. Yet see, before the year had waned, the Chawari had returned in tenfold numbers, burning and murdering with ruthless fury. The word, In the world ye shall have tribulation, was now doubly true with us, for we were in twofold anguish, terror of the Chawari on the one hand, and fear of the Herzog on the other, being all the time as men on a burning vessel, fire behind us and water beyond. The people from everywhere fled to the Würzburg to the strong enclosure. But how could we go there for shelter, being in bodily fear of the Herzog himself? In that time of distress, when the hosts of the Chawari were within half a day's march of us on the other side of the river, it was Iberius, thy husband, who raised his voice in council, saying, If death be our mead, brethren, let us rather die as confessors witnessing for the Lord, than be killed by the Chawari away from our post. Up, then, to the Würzburg. Let us ask the weak-hearted ruler. Is this the help thou hast experienced at the hands of thy gods? Trust thou in the living God, and he alone will save thee. Thus spoke Iberius the faithful, and we obeyed his voice. Together with many other fugitives we arrived at the Würzburg. Belihild, thy child, was then a babe only ten weeks old. But one of Gaila's men-at-arms, seeing us return, threw a stone toward us as we entered within the enclosure. It hit Iberius, crushing his shoulder. He lingered a few weeks and died, leaving thee a widow and thy babe fatherless. Thus the word came home to thee also, 
in the world ye shall have tribulation. But thy husband did not die without tasting the fullness of the promise. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. It was our abbot who went up to the Herzog, bravely asking the question, What is it thy gods have done for thee, or the blood of the saints thou hast spilt? And Gottsberg trembled. Show me that he whom thou worshippest is mightier than the gods of my fathers, and I will believe, said he. But Coleman made answer, That thy father's gods have availed thee nothing thou hast seen with thine eyes. The living God who made heaven and earth alone can help thee. He can confound thine enemies, and let them be as chaff before the wind. He can do it, if it pleaseth him, but only if thou wilt repent of thy great sin and come to him for mercy. I will but pray thou for me, said Gottsbert humbled. I am altogether undone, my men are destroyed, I have but women and children left within the ring-fence, pray for me. I will, replied Coleman, but thou must join us thyself, lifting up thy voice to the Lord of mercy. Night was falling when Father Coleman spoke thus. The Herzog placed watchmen upon the turrets, and returned with us to the foot of the mount where our settlement had been. The cabins were burnt to the ground, but the oratory, the strong stone tower, remained standing. We entered, the Herzog along with us and now Coleman began chanting the penitential psalms in the German language, that Gottsbert might understand. Lowly upon his knees he chanted verse after verse, and kneeling around him in deep contrition we repeated after him, Gottsbert with us, verse upon verse. Thus we continued, far into the night, the lamp shedding a subdued radiance about us. At midnight the watchman on the tower heard a clattering noise in the valley, as of a host of warriors nearing from the direction of the burnt-down cabins. They listened, fearful of what might befall their Herzog, when the approaching host had seemingly reached the stone tower, the clanking suddenly ceased, as though they were pausing, and presently the watchman on the Würzburg heard a strange rustling from the valley, as of a swarm of cranes rising on their wings, or a herd of deer breaking through the brushwood. It died away in the distance, and all was still. When the morning rose they descended from the burg to look for the Herzog, and behold, the place all round was strewn with spears and battle-axes, left behind by the Chawari in their headlong flight. They had chosen that very night for an attack, and coming forth from the forest they had suddenly seen the soft gleaming light of the lamp burning within the oratory. They had heard the low chanting, and a terror from the Lord had fallen upon them. They had fled truly as chaff before the wind, and no mortal eye in this neighborhood has seen them since. Then Herzog Gottsberg believed and was baptized, having been instructed in the truth as is meet. The Cenobi at the foot of the Würzburg was built up again, and more brethren arrived with Abbot David, to the sore grief of the Herzogin Gaila. We others, with our own abbot Coleman, returned hither to continue at the new settlement. Thou also didst come back with us to Husheim, leaving behind thee Bilhild, thy little daughter, that she might be taught at Würzburg, in the school which thy brother Edda with his wife had founded there. Thou knowest all this history which I have thus called up to thy memory, for it is thine own history, and yet I told it as though it were unknown to thee, wishing to bring back thy past life to thy inward eye, that, having reached unto the end, thou mayest look upon the road by which the Lord hath brought thee. The ways have been rough, and yet they have been ways of peace, for their end is salvation. Thou knewest it would be so when thou followedst the presbyter and messenger Iberius as his wedded wife. Thou knewest that all earthly pleasure, even this life's happiness, must be laid upon the altar, that souls might be won for him from the heathen people who knew him not, and yet are precious in his sight, for they also are bought with a price. But thou wast willing to bear thy part in the blessed work, and the first-fruits have been given us. Hundreds of those among whom we spend our life who were born in darkness, put now their trust in the grace of God which is in Christ Jesus, and have given up all evil practices and deeds of wickedness. Ought we not to return thanks to him, saying, 
We are not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servants. Alas, how often have we been wanting in love, in patience, in faith! How often have we even murmured at the tribulation which we must have in the world, forgetting in our faithless grief that we have every right to be of good cheer through him who has overcome the world. Is the place which he has prepared for us not enough? And as regards this world, Achandeka, is it not more than enough that the Lord has put thy beloved child from her earliest youth into the way of salvation? It is true that to-day it is not given thee to clasp her to thy heart, but art thou not satisfied that thy Saviour will take her to his heart as a lamb to his bosom, while thou art near her in prayer? She will now be made a partaker of the covenant, and for the first time this day she will join the congregation in the communion of his body and blood. And thou too art about to join in this. Repent thee humbly of thy sins and thy many shortcomings, remembering that the bread of life is given to the hungry. Totman knelt down, engaging in a short but earnest prayer which the sick woman repeated after him, and having broken the bread and poured the wine into the chalice, he began slowly and solemnly to chant the communion hymn of the Irish church. Gertrude reverently joined in the singing, while the dying Mechild worshipped her Redeemer in fainting notes. The hymn they sung has been rendered into many of the modern languages of Europe. It presents in clear and lively form the faith of the early Irish church. It is more evangelical in its teaching than might have been expected in that age, and there is ample evidence of the fact that in the eighth century the Irish branch of the church was one of the purest in this respect. The following is a recent translation of some of the stanzas. Salvation given, Christ the only Son, by his dear cross and blood the victory won. Offered was he for greatest and for least, himself the victim and himself the priest. He, ransomer from death and light from shade, now gives his holy grace his saints to aid. He that in this world rules his saints and shields, to all believers life eternal yields. With heavenly bread makes them that hunger whole, gives living waters to the thirsting soul. Alpha and Omega, to whom shall bow, all nations at the doom, is with us now. When they had sung this hymn, the aged minister gave the bread and the wine to the two women before him, after which he repeated the Nunc Dimittis, also the Lord's Prayer, and kneeling again he concluded the service as he began it, repeating, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. How shall I thank you for this comfort in my dying hour? said Mechild, adding after a while. Tell good mother Hilda how grateful I am for her kindness in sending this bread and milk to refresh me but I think the bread which the Lord has just blessed to me will be the last I shall have need of in my pilgrimage. Earthly food can no longer avail me, the end is near, the eye is growing dim. Ah, my child, had I once more seen thee!" The words had scarcely escaped her lips when the door was thrown open eagerly, and a maiden, fair as the morning, hastened to the bedside. "'Mother, mother!' she exclaimed, sinking to her knees by her dying parent. "'Bilhild!' faltered Mehild. "'Is it thou?' Can I indeed bless thee ere I go?" She placed her trembling hands on the girl's head, her lips moving in prayer which none but God could hear. The light fled from her face. She lay still in death. It was a happy death, and her desire had been given her. She had seen her child before she went. When Bilihild had spent her first grief, clasping the lifeless hand, Totman asked her gently, "'How was it possible to come so quickly? It is barely time for the service to have been finished.' Alas, reverend father, sobbed the orphan maiden, the service was never begun. I am as yet unbaptized and have fled hither for fear of the Herzogin Gaila. For Gottsberg the Herzog has died this night. 
"'Then may the Lord have mercy on us,' said the old man, adding softly, "'In the world ye shall have tribulation.'" End of chapter 1